0: Will you please join me in prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, my sister Beth and my brother-in-law David took their two girls ages 3 and 6, to their first trip to Walt Disney World, Florida. Of course, the parents were excited because they knew what was coming, but the girls didn't quite know exactly what to expect. But they had a lot of anticipation for this upcoming trip. When they got home, I, asked Beth, I called Beth and I said, so how was Disney World? Beth said to me on the phone, Sue, I think I am the only parent in the United States who has a child who doesn't like Disney World. (laughs) I said, my goodness, what happened? And she explained to me that Ava, her six-year-old daughter, did enjoy some of the specific activities that they did at Disney World. But for Ava, there was too much, too much stimuli too many things unexpectedly happening around the next corner, that she couldn't fully enjoy it. Her three-year-old sister, however, loved every second of it, except at breakfast one morning when Goofy suddenly appeared at her side, and she was nearly scared to death. So when I was on the phone talking with Ava about her vacation to Walt Disney World, I asked her how it was, and she said, I hate Magic Kingdom. (laughs) Poor Walt Disney. If he were alive, he would be devastated. And in some ways, my sister was devastated too. They had obviously invested time and money and a lot of energy into this trip for the delight of their children. And so when their daughter proclaims her hatred of Magic Kingdom... It doesn't seem to settle well for them. She planned that her girls would enjoy it fully and in some ways it's like going to a parade. We as adults don't often so much go to the parade for ourselves but we go for the enjoyment of the children with us. We take the young children along to experience it through their eyes. We want to see their reactions when the fire trucks come blaring down the street. We want to hear with their ears the way the marching band sounds as it walks by by us. We want to experience through their eyes the sights and scenes of the parade and all the stimuli that fills our brains with joy. And so we envision today's Palm Sunday through the eyes of the children. How appropriate that we had the children to celebrate with us today. And what a joy to see them and to have that be an integral part of our celebration. It was tradition in first century Palestine, Middle Eastern culture to have such parades. You see, typically when a conquering general or king would come into the city, they would have such a parade as this, a processional where people would line the streets and the conquering general would ride in usually on a very large horse of some some point and would be escorted into the city by a group of usually some of his soldiers or other citizens that would lead the way. There there were often hymns sung alongside or proud uh, acclamations and the Roman triumph was shown through various elements in the procession. And symbolically, all of these things led to the depiction that this ruler was indeed the authority of the people. But as I said, most of the conquering kings and generals of first-century Palestine entered on large horses decorated with flowers and bands of cloth on their animal. Only Jesus came on a donkey, a donkey. So while the act of the processional was very familiar and similar to the people of first century Palestine and in their eyes, they also saw something quite different, very different, which highlighted what a unique time this was for Jesus and for those who were following him or even minimally observing him. Just before the procession, Jesus tells two of his disciples to go get a donkey or a colt. It depends on the Greek word used, but I'm going to use a donkey for for sake of clarity. It's an odd detail that I find in preparing for this processional. Why would it matter to us how Jesus gets this donkey? Why would it matter to us that he specifically sends two of his disciples off to get this donkey? And the other interesting thing is it's not just a detail that's in Luke. It's in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. So it makes us think about what is important about this detail. Now some people may say it's a sign that Jesus knew all of the events that were coming. Jesus knew what was was ahead for him and how they were going to unfold down to the very minute detail. Down to the very specific donkey upon which he would ride for his entry into Jerusalem his entry into death but like the disciples that day we still don't fully understand it why bother including this little detail in the text what does it show us the donkey the details of the donkey and all the events leading up until this point have been doing one thing the thing that John the Baptist had been doing three years earlier, and that was to prepare the way of the Lord. But preparing the way is not nearly as exciting as the actual encounter of the Lord along the parade path. It's not nearly as exciting as sitting and talking with the Lord. Just ask Mary or Martha. But this Lenten season, we have been preparing the way. We have been holding on, we have been letting go of the things that distract us from the details that allow us to prepare the way. Recently I read in a clergy leadership magazine of a a nationwide survey of clergy across all denominations. As many of you know, there is a shortage of clergy, which I always think is. Just good job security for me. But there's a shortage of clergy across all denominations in the United States. And so the question was asked for those clergy who were clergy and then left pastoral ministry for whatever reason. They said, what is the main factor that clergy cite in explaining why they turn away from the ministry? Why do they drop out? Or why do they just find something else to do with their lives? The most common answer was the mundane, the ordinary, the trivial aspects of ministry. Apparently, few of us get tired of preaching, of staying by the bedside of a sick person, or of interpreting the scriptures. But most clergy get tired of doing the mundane tasks, even though... Those tasks are often the ones that prepare the way best for Jesus. Theologian Karl Barth said that good preaching is like a person standing on a street corner pointing upward into the sky. You know that feeling when you see somebody outside pointing up to the sky, people start gathering around and trying to look up and see what exactly that person is seeing. Good preaching is like the person who points the way so that we crane our necks so that we attempt to see what the person is pointing to is also seeing. Getting the donkey is pointing the way forward. The focus is not on us. It is on the one for whom we have been waiting. If we stop and listen or look closely to this text in, cha- in chapter 19 of Luke. We learn more about details, details that point us the way. Unlike the gospel account of this processional found in Mark's gospel, this crowd does not shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, the way that most of us are accustomed to celebrating Palm Sunday. But they do praise God with with the words of verse 38, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. And this praise and power of Jesus' mighty works that they experienced were also acknowledged. But something continued to perplex me this week as I read this text, for I wonder how many times I've read through this text how many times you've heard this story. And that is, based on Luke's account, I can't quite figure out how many people were actually at this parade. The the verses say the whole multitude of the disciples. Well, if I understand the Gospels correctly, that would mean a whopping 12. Or were there others there? I usually envision this whole mob of people chanting and screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, children on their father's shoulders, people trying to look through the crowds attending this event. But according to Luke, I hate to say it, but there weren't even any palms. There were just cloaks thrown on the ground ahead of Jesus. And no, none other than the disciples praising Jesus onward. Now, of course, the definition of disciples could be broad, but still, there were no other people but the disciples welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem. Nobody else, well, nobody else except the Pharisees. Of course, the Pharisees would show up. They were always there. To point the finger at Jesus, to try to silence him, to try to silence his disciples, to try to question his legitimacy, to try to undermine his authority. Of course, the Pharisees would be there. And of course, the Pharisees had something to say. And their words have made all the difference to me this week as I read through this text. Verse 39 in the NRSV. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. Teacher, order your disciples to stop. The writer Andrea Lassan Anastas highlighted this verse for me this week in her writing. Perhaps Luke had been underplaying the noise and the size of the crowd to highlight this important but brief encounter with the Pharisees. Teacher, order your disciples to stop. So let's stop right here. Let's take a deep breath. Let's put down your bulletin your pen, your book, your notepad. Let's put down our thoughts for what we are about to eat for lunch, our plans for this afternoon, our agendas for the upcoming week. Let's take time to listen to the Pharisees and to stop and to listen to quiet that low-level chatter that we often hear in our brains 24 hours a day. Let us stop to set aside the worries and the anger, the stress, the fear, the discomfort, the joy, the confusion. Whatever you have going on right now, let us stop for just one minute. Teacher, order your disciples to stop. Perhaps we hear these words more often than not. Perhaps we heard them this week when we were debating about a purchase, something that we really didn't need but wanted. Perhaps we heard those words this week when we were watching the news or watching the stock market or getting wrapped up in March Madness, that we lost focus on other things in life. Perhaps we watched them, perhaps we heard them rather, when we watched a movie full of violence. Perhaps we heard them when we canceled time with a loved one or a friend because we just didn't want to deal with them this week. Perhaps we heard these words when we walked by a person in need and pretended to look away. Teacher, order your disciples to stop. Andrea Anastas wrote, This week, the followers of Christ, the person we take as our teacher, whose way we claim as the way that defines our lives, will commemorate the choice of Jesus to die Rather to deny, rather than to deny what he held to be ultimate truth, that love is the image in which we are created, the path on which we walk, the goal toward which we journey. Love, not fear. Love, not violence. Love, not success. Love, not wealth. Love, not power love. Teacher, order your disciples to stop. Throughout Jesus' entire ministry, he focused on one thing, love. Loving others as we love ourselves, loving God with all our heart, mind, and soul, loving our enemies and loving the stranger. Jesus did many things throughout his ministry, but the one thing he constantly told us to do was to love, not to judge, not to condemn, not to critique, not to manipulate, not to exploit, not to minimize, not to ignore, not to kill, not to hurt, not to oppress. Jesus told us to do one thing, love. But the world today does not call us to love one another. Because if we loved one another so fully and freely as Jesus calls us to do, well then we would be much less inclined to gather up the material possessions that stimulate the economy and allow sweatshops in third world countries to function. If we loved one another so freely, then we would care much more about future generations and their life on earth. And we might not buy as much gasoline or as large of cars or create as much waste. Love encourages us to work for the oppressed, to speak for those who are mute, to share with those who have nothing, and to bring those on the outside right into the middle. Love encourages everyone to have access to health care. Love finds ways to help homeless folks find affordable housing. Love encourages us to love simply so that others may simply live. In other words, love changes the world as we know it. And that was exactly what Jesus was doing when he rode into Jerusalem on that donkey. He was changing the world as the disciples and the Pharisees knew it. And he was changing it through his own act of love. So today we remember this historical parade of Jesus... But we hear today anew the words of the Pharisees. And interestingly enough, this is the last time that we would see or hear the Pharisees in Jesus' life in the Gospel of Luke. After these final words, they drop off. We never hear them again. Teacher, order your disciples to stop. May we stop this Holy Week and pay attention to the one who is riding in on a donkey. May we stop this Holy Week and make room in our busy schedules to walk with Jesus on the journey this week, his journey of love. May we stop today and take off our fancy cloak and throw it down for Jesus as a declaration of who we are and what we believe. May we stop today and evaluate what it means to be a follower of Christ in this world, a world that tells us constantly to keep going, keep making more money, to keep going so that what is ours is only ours, and that we can live out the American dream to the fullest. Today is a day that we can stop and listen to the words of the Pharisees, Today is the day that we can stop the crazy messages that we heard in our minds about always needing more and needing better to be worthy of love. Today is the chance to begin the confrontation in our own hearts between our attachment to the world and our claim to be disciples of the one who calls us, who calls all of us, to be love incarnate. Today is the day that we listen to the invitation of the demands around us. Teacher, order your disciples to stop. Today, we will decide if we will stop or instead we will pick up our cross and join Jesus, on his walk to the cross to join the one who embodies the true way of love. Amen.